Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you once again on a Thursday night and ask that you would superintend each part of the service, that you would guide and direct us as we sing the hymns, that you would focus us upon your word, and Lord, that you would encourage us and strengthen us to serve you in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated for the book of First John. First John chapter 4. And we are now dealing with chapter 1, the forgiveness of sins. Chapter 2, Antichrist. Chapter 3, false professors or false believers. Chapter 4, false spirits. And last week we got through the first test, beloved, believe, verse 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And we need to understand that uh, just because someone says they're Christian or even attends and, and faithfully is a part of a, of a real church, does not mean that they're always going to be true. It, it's, we've already been over this in chapter 2. They went out from us. And that's where many of the false prophets come from. And uh, here is the, uh, the test. The first test is, do they confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh? And, and we spent last week... Uh, uh, giving different applications of that, but just to simply summarize that, if as someone teaches, there is still something missing for your salvation, something you must accomplish, something you must do, whether it be good works or whether it be baptism or whether it be a- any specific thing that you must accomplish or maintain, really what they're teaching is the worship of self. Spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist will worship himself. Read uh, the passages in the Old Testament prophecies concerning him and, and, and other things like this. We have the Spirit of Antichrist, which will teach you to worship the church, that salvation belongs to the church, that somehow the, the church is in between you and Jesus Christ. Wrong altogether. The church is beyond Jesus Christ. You must meet Him first. You must be saved before you can be baptized and become a member of the church. And yet, so many false teachers turn that equation upside down. You'll find out that the devil is a great liar, but he's not a very original one. He doesn't need to be. People still believe the same old lies over and over again. And so, worship of self, worship of the church. And then the one that makes me more upset, and i got to be careful because I could run off on a tangent and waste the rest of the evening and don't want to do that, is the worship of men. 
Some great leader, some guru. This is the spirit of Antichrist. The, the culmination in that, again, do not misunderstand. Antichrist is not going to say, Jesus was a lie. He's going to say, I am Jesus. And people are going to believe him. Do you see how this phrase here, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is the direct antithesis. It's the absolute opposite end of the pole from what Antichrist will do. This is one of the reasons we believe in the pre-tribulational rapture of the church. Because we get down to verse 4, and, and this is where we're, we're going to pick up. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. How have we overcome the false spirits, the spirit of Antichrist that is manifested in the false prophets that are out there? How have we done that? Well, it's very simple. How many of you believe that the first thing God created before he said, let there be light, was Jesus Christ? Does anybody believe that here? That is a... No, you don't believe that, Joey. Um, That is a cardinal doctrine of the Jehovah's Witnesses cult. That Jesus is not God... That he was created because, Revelation says, the beginning of the creation of God. We say, how ridiculous can you get? It says the beginning of the creation of God is because he's the guy that began it. Amen? He is the source of creation. Read John chapter 1. How many of you believe that... Um, well, we could go here all, all night long. Simply put, when you hear false teaching, you are not drawn in by it. Because you have faith in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you believe it is finished. You're not keeping your salvation. You're not earning your salvation. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? And little children can understand that truth and be safe from the false spirits. Amen? Test number one. Test number two. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So this is test number one. We can know the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error by who they're listening to. When someone makes a statement, the church of Jesus Christ has become so weak and so corrupt 
that He has called upon me to reinstitute the church and to put things back in order that have fallen out. Well, that could be one of many people in history. Joseph Smith made a statement very similar to that. That's why the Book of Mormon is called the Last Testament of Jesus Christ. Well, if they would only put little j, little c, they still wouldn't be right because there's many more testaments of false Christ out there. Uh, there there's nothing true about the Mormon faith. Uh, Muhammad tried that. Uh, whatever 632 from uh, 1830 would be, uh, do the math, you figure out about how many years uh, before Joseph Smith, Muhammad tried that lie. You see, it says here, they are of the world, therefore the world heareth them. Wasn't it Sarah that sent that silly text this morning? Had a picture of Joel Osteen on there. And uh, what was the title of his new book? Uh, Lying to Christians or something like that and making them feel good about it. Uh, The world loves Joel Osteen. You know what? The world loves Billy Graham. You know why? Because he says good things about very wicked people. How many of you remember when he was in Central, I mean, uh, Flushing Meadows just a few years ago, his last big campaign? Who was sitting on the platform with him? Does anybody remember? He was a former president of the United States, one known for his great morality and holiness. His name was Bill Clinton. And Mr. Graham said, it's a good thing you didn't become an evangelist. You'd be in the, you would have been a better evangelist than I am. He actually said that. You can look it up. You see, here's the second test. The world... Likes them. The world listens to them. Oh, I don't know how often it happens, but I get a notice across my desk. Uh, We are reaching the new generation for Christ. And of course, I open it up and there's all the flashing lights and uh, everything but the smell of marijuana and uh, Uh, I mean, that's how you reach the current generation, is it not? Uh, And, of course, they don't promote that. I'm not saying that. But uh, that's the only thing missing in the picture. Wait a minute. Here is the test of a false spirit. The world listens to them. They speak of the world. You can go into the poorest neighborhoods of this great city in which we live, and what are you going to see on the marquees of almost every old theater? Deliverance. You can have 
what you want, and Jesus too. Have you ever studied? Well, don't do it. These people that preach to the poorest of the people about how that serving Jesus makes you rich, they get rich, but do the people in the church get rich? Now, they're still living in the same old run-down neighborhood. Nothing changes in the neighborhood. But that guy sure makes a lot of money. You see, they speak of the world. They speak of worldly things. Now, this next part here... um, You just need to hear it. It says, we are of God. This is John the Apostle speaking. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, you have to understand something. You don't have to... Get saved in a Baptist church to be saved. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. But, here's what John's saying. Saying, I am God's messenger. If you're not listening to me, you're not listening to God. Here's how we know the difference. Oftentimes, We'll get someone coming in and, and, and trying to start a new church in Astoria. Happens quite a bit, actually, believe it or not. And every once in a while, I'll run into somebody. Remember one guy, I really don't know what's become of him, and I'm not going to go find him. Claimed to be an independent, fundamental Baptist and wanted to start a new church in Astoria because there's nothing here. I think Brother Saravia and I would take a little issue with that. Amen? Uh, And yet, when we tried to talk to said gentleman, it was going to be a rock and roll for Jesus kind of church. It was going to be this. It was going to be that. You know what? This is the only way I know how to put it. When I was a sophomore in Bible college, I had to make a decision. You see, I was raised in a church that was very close. It was Baptistic. That church has since moved and embraced Baptist doctrine. At the point when I left the church, that was, oh my, 34 years ago? Uh, They hadn't moved yet. They didn't have a pastor that really taught them properly. I'm a sophomore in Bible college. It doesn't happen anymore, but what happened to me was I got baptized when I was eight and saved when I was 11. Is that the way you're supposed to do it? And when I talked to someone uh, as an 11-year-old boy, I just got saved. Oh, no, don't worry about that. You've been saved. You were baptized when you were... And they weren't equating baptism with salvation, but... They just didn't think it was that big of a deal. 
And I'm learning all kinds of new things. You see, when I came to Bible college, I carried a Bible that had all kinds of corrections and notes. And, and it said there were errors in the King James Bible and there were all kinds of problems. And, and, and so uh, I think it was my first semester in college. Uh, I folded that thing up and I put it on the shelf. And every once in a while, I'll get it down to look at the cover. Uh, it's a very, very well-bound Bible. Uh, but I don't read that Bible, haven't read that Bible since 1982. You know why? Because it's not a Bible. It's a pretty close imitation. The next year, I had to make a decision. Can I go out and start my own church? Or should I join Jesus' church that's already been established? I surrendered and I said, I'm going to get baptized in a Baptist church because it wasn't done right. And it wasn't done under the right doctrine. And I'm going to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. I stopped counting people who would refuse to become members of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church because they were holding on to some baptism that belonged to another church of another denomination or another teaching. I stopped counting when we got over 300 people. I just said, I, I don't even want to know this number anymore. Because I don't want to concentrate on all the people that are out there. I want to concentrate on the people that are in here. Because that's what this verse says. You see, it says that we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. So you need to understand, test number two is a pretty harsh test. It's always interesting. I'll get something in the mail and say, we want to help your church reach people. And uh, I'm sitting here and they're selling T-shirts. Now, wait a minute. I, I've studied my Bible a long time. And I have yet to see, print the gospel on your T-shirt and people will win, uh, be one to the Lord. Uh, I had a man... A uh, dear friend of mine, but he has gone off the, uh, the off the uh, uh, ranch, as as we might say, off the plantation, off out into the parking lot. He is, and he has gone to seed on the fact that parents ought to raise their own children. I said, Dave, that's his name. I won't give you his last name, but I said, Dave. I said, I believe. In raising my kids, I got 12 of them. That's a lot more than you got. I don't want a constitutional amendment. We have too much government right now. If people won't come to church and learn how to raise their kids because of what the Bible says, there's no amount of teaching, no amount of programs, no amount of anything that's going to fix it. You see, it's got to happen here. If it doesn't happen here, it's not going to happen. And this is test number two. 
Jesus Christ is come in the flesh? Are they talking about the world? Are they talking about how to get things in the world? Is the world listening to them? Are they surrendering to true Bible doctrine or do they have a better way of getting it done? The Bible says those are the signs of a false spirit. And you can call it by any name you want. We do not trace our history We do not verify baptism based only on a name. It better be doctrine. Amen? It's got to be what the Bible says. Test number three. We start in verse seven. Beloved. Now here, John's setting them up. He's going to talk about love. He says, the reason I'm saying these things is because I love you. How many of you had someone, maybe it was an uncle or a grandparent, or, oh, I just love you too much. I'm not going to correct you. You can do whatever you want. Most dangerous person in the world. Get away from people like that. When is the last time How many of you have ever had the privilege as a little child of eating all the chocolate you could possibly hold? Has anybody ever done that? How big a mess did you make a couple hours later? Am I the only one that ever ate so much chocolate I got sick? Come on, fess up here. I mean, that's that's what we do. We don't know. That's why we got a Bible. That's why we got a church. That's why we have a Savior. Because He loves us. Amen? And so, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Yes, we've had a victory of love. Sodomite marriage is now legal in the United States. Love has won. How many of you heard him say those things? Could I challenge you that's not love? That's not love. Young man says to the young girl, but we love each other even though we're not married. It's okay. That's not love. not love at all. It's the furthest thing from it. You see, the world does not know what love is. The world cannot offer you a standard of love. Because as we read on, we find out Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now, people love that verse. I mean, they print it. I don't mean a pun there at all. 
People want, oh, God is love. That's what I believe. God is just love. And we just ought to love everybody. And Okay. If that's true. I remember dealing with a person years ago and they cheated me. They were selling me something and, and they cheated me talking about God's love and how much God loved everybody and we all need to love one another. I did not feel very loved when I realized that this guy had cheated me. Someone come, calls up and says, well, we're, we're uh, and I'll usually go, this isn't a sales call, is it? And every once in a while someone says, well, yes, it is. Then I talk to him. If you're going to lie to me about what you're trying to do, I'm not going to talk to you. I said, okay, what are you selling? Da-da-da-da-da. Okay, well, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a preacher too, and I do this on the side. And I'm going, okay, I've had enough. I'm hanging up the phone. Uh, don't, don't tell me that you're a preacher too, and you're going you're gonna to give me a really good deal. Um, I'll tell you, if I want a really good deal for being a preacher, I go find me some Catholic or Orthodox uh, 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 worker, and I'll say, I'm from the Baptist church, and they'll always give me a good deal. If I meet some Protestant guy, I know I'm getting taken for a ride. I just know I do. Because, see, the Catholic and Orthodox, if they do something wrong to the preacher, he can do the hoodoo voodoo and take their salvation away. And, and so they're, they're going to be nice to you. Because they're, they're afraid that you're going to hurt them in some way. Isn't that silly? But how many of you know what I'm saying is actually true? It happens. You see, the reason the world offers so many different definitions of love is because their love has no source. The source of love is God. Do you know what? God has some definite boundaries on love. He's got controls built into love. And we're going to find out what those things are right here in these next verses as he explains this to us. In verse 10, it says here, I mean, verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. If you want to know how love works, here's how love works. God is explaining it to us. That's what the word manifested means. It was Made plain, it was explained to us because the God sent His only begotten Son into the world. And what's that last phrase say? Read it with me together. That we might live through Him. Let's try that again. That we might live through Him. One more time. That we might live through Him. This is God explaining love to us. He sent Jesus 
to do everything that needed to be done in order for us to have salvation, everything that needed to be done so that we could live for God, Jesus did it all so that the rest of our lives are to be lived in Jesus Christ. Nobody says amen. Do you get that? You see, if you will open the Bible and let it explain things to you, you don't have a lot of options about the kind of church you're going to attend, do you? Um, Do you have a lot of options about the kind of music you're going to listen to? Do you have a lot of options about how you should dress? Do you have a lot of options about how you should speak and how you should carry yourself and how you should order your life? Uh, does the Bible explain to you in, in definite and complete detail how you should handle your finances and the things of this world? In fact, is there any part of your life that God in His love toward us did not explain to us in His Word. We spent 18 months going through the Sermon on the Mount. Verse by verse. Three chapters. It was over a year and a half. And that's not just because I'm a long-winded preacher, all right? Uh, It's because there is so much information. It's because every part of the Christian life and your relationship with God is described in vivid detail in the Sermon on the Mount. That's why we've gone through the Old Testament tabernacle uh, uh, several times. And uh, I'm thinking about getting that series out again before the end of this year and going through the tabernacle because it is a living illustration of our relationship with God. It explains the, every sacrifice, every ceremony, the, the garments that the priest wore, the, uh, the, uh, the altar and the, every part of the furniture and the building picture and help explain to you and I how much God loves us. Everything is about Jesus Christ. You see, herein is love, verse 10, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, if you ever get past how much God loves you, you're in trouble. If you ever get
get used to the fact that God loves me. You know, in human relationships, we often take advantage of other people or try to manipulate other people to do things for us. It's a terrible, terrible thing. God never does that. Everything that Jesus did was for our benefit. I can't tell you how many people over the years, many of them weeping, you know, I just don't know what unconditional love is. And I don't want to be an uncompassionate pastor. But I I, I just want to say, what have I been preaching on for the last 23 years? What does this book called the Bible tell you about? Will you please wake up and stop having a pity party for yourself and start realizing everything that God has already done for you? Could we say amen to that? You see, this is the test. I've run into people whose testimony for God runs a little bit like this. Well, you know, before I was saved, I was a very successful businessman. I had this business and that, and I was uh, very well-to-do, and I had money in the bank, and... and, uh, of course, you know, I was a sinner, and so I gave it all up to serve Christ. And now, I'm just a poor, plain pulper, and I'm this and that. And I'm sitting here going, I didn't give up anything to serve Christ. He's only given to me. Every good thing in my life is because of Jesus Christ. Every bad thing in my life is because of me. You see, it's not about God, our love to God. The reason you can't love other people the way you should is because you have not understood And accepted the love that God has for you. In dealing with marital problems and personal conflict, I I have a little phrase, and if you come to me, you'll probably hear it. I'm not talking about you, if you've heard me say this to you. Uh, It's just a a standard rule that I, that it's just, helps, I believe, in every relationship, someone has to be the adult. When a two-year-old throws a temper tantrum and says, I hate you, do you believe them? Not unless you're totally without sense. You know that this is just the raving of an upset little child. Someone has to be the adult and say, we're, we're going to absorb this abuse and we're going to deal with the problem. 
How many would be glad that somebody, God put somebody in your life as an adult to help you through some problems? Amen. Now it's your turn. That's what love is. Amen. Isn't that how love is expressed? From a parent to a child? I've often joked, and, and, I, and I mean this with all sincerity, that one of the ways that God teaches us how much He loves us and how much He has to put up from, from us is He gives us children. I like what my grandpa Montoro said, and that's my father's father. He said, I wouldn't part with one of my own for me. He said, but I wouldn't give a nickel for one of yours. Uh, That's the way God loves us. You see, He sent Jesus to pay the price for our sins. His love was manifested in the fact that our life is no longer ours. It's meant to be lived through Jesus Christ. It's meant to be lived in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why you need to live your life in the Lord Jesus Christ? is because you're going to do a lousy job on your own. How many would say, yes, Pastor, I agree with that statement. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I think Jesus, I believe Jesus could do a better job with my life than I could. My hand goes first up to agree with that statement. I want that to be true in my life. That's the test of love, my friend. This is how you tell the difference between a false spirit and a real spirit. Because let me tell you, the closer you get to the truth, the greater the deception. Isn't that true? Someone said, oh, Bill Clinton, he's the best liar that ever lived. You've got to be kidding me. Who doesn't know that Bill Clinton is a lie? Liar. I mean, they misspelled his autobiography. How many of you have seen Bill Clinton's autobiography? It's my L-I-F-E. All they have to do is take the F out. And, and that's Bill Clinton's life. My lie. Uh, uh, it, it's just incredible. He's not a good liar. But 20,000 people show up to hear Joel Osteen preach every Sunday morning. And everybody believes he's telling the truth. That's a good liar. Isn't it? You see, you're a good liar when they don't catch you. But see, even a little child can know the false spirit is lying because of the Spirit of Jesus Christ living in them. Amen? Let's read on. We'll try to finish on time tonight. It says here, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. It's, we're going to go on as we get through this passage. 
if you cannot love people the Bible way, how do you love someone? At the men's meeting, Brother Hardy, I think, gave one of the best working definitions uh, of love that I've ever heard was it's seeking what is best for another person. Boy, isn't that, doesn't that describe what Jesus did for us? You see, God came down and sent Jesus Christ so that we could live through Him. He would be the propitiation for our sins. He paid to God what we owe for our sins. He is only seeking our best. You have to be careful when another human being comes up and says, listen, I only want what's best for you. Because normally you need to have an adjoiner put on there as it benefits me. That's the way humans love. But if you're a Christian, you're free. I'm free from making my own decisions. I'm free from being insulted and ridiculed because who are they really insulting and ridiculing if I'm living in Jesus Christ? Jesus. That doesn't engender anger. That should engender pity because anyone dumb enough, foolish enough to cast rancor upon the Lord Jesus Christ is in danger of mortal mortal danger for all eternity. They're in danger of losing their soul. You see, I'm free because I don't have to expect anything from you. It was amazing as we dealt with the trustee there at Union For the last several years, it was always, what are you going to get out of this? Uh, We're going to see a church not die. That's what we're going to get out of it. Uh, You know what we're going to get out of it? A lot of frustration. A lot of bills. A lot of angst. A lot of backaches and other kinds of things, and hopefully nothing serious. At least so far, we praise the Lord. No major injuries. That's all we're going to get. But you know what we're going to do? By God's grace, we're going to see a church not die. Oh, does that sound like in a little way of what Jesus has done for us? You see, he lets us love others with his love if we'll do that. I can seek someone else's best without having to get something myself. That is the test. You see, 
Does the Spirit profess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Does the Spirit profess it is finished? Does it teach the worship of Christ alone? That's a true spirit. Amen? By the way, if it's a true spirit, you know where you're going to find it? You're going to find it in a church that believes and teaches the Bible. That's what John was saying there. Amen? And that church ought to be an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, Baptist church. And you can argue over fundamental or whatever other things that you want to put. I like to put separatist Baptist church in there. That really throws them for separatist. What's that? Well, it's just somebody that doesn't join with everybody else. Oh, you're one of those. Yeah. I remember sitting on a plane one time and we got got talking to the man next to me and he says, Oh. This is many years ago. He said, you're, you're like Jerry Falwell. And I said, well, he did go to the same school I went to, but I really want you to understand that we consider Jerry Falwell an extreme nutcase left-wing liberal in our group. He is by no means conservative. He is, and the guy's just sitting there, I hope it doesn't catch, you know. Uh, he was just terrified the whole plane ride that somehow I was going to reach out and attack him or do something because he couldn't imagine anybody more conservative than Jerry Falwell. I'm sorry. Uh, Jerry Falwell was not a conservative. Not at all. Not when it comes to this book called the Bible. You see... If I have a true spirit, I'm going to join Jesus' church rather than start my own. I'm going to surrender to what is instead of trying to improve on it. And I'm going to love people the way God loved me. That's the test. You know what? Every one of us in this room can think of people and places that we've been and groups that call themselves religious that fail these tests. Some of them, all of them. Let me tell you something. No matter how good they look, the Bible says that's a false spirit. You've got to get away from it. Those are some pretty hard words. But you know what John was doing? He was helping the people that he wrote that book to understand the difference between truth and error because without this passage, there's an awful lot that is the false prophet, false spirit, spirit of Antichrist, it looks so much like the real thing that we would be deceived by it. You get this test, test played out and start testing things, I'll tell you what, you're going to have a pretty good idea whether they're actually biblical or not now, aren't you? There's not going to be a whole lot of debate. Well, you know, I... uh-uh. 
pretty narrow test because it's a pretty narrow book because it's a pretty narrow way. And if you're complaining about the narrow way, I want you to think about the alternative. It's the broad way which leads unto destruction and many be that go in thereat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You tonight. Lord, we want to thank You for Your Word. We want to thank You that we can take something that was written before 100 A.D., read it in our own language and find out that it is more apropos than tomorrow's newspaper. It's more up-to-date than any prognostication that man can produce. Oh, Lord, we ask that you would help us to take this to heart. And Lord, that we would not try to manufacture these things in our life. We can't. but that we would be the little children that have Him that is greater than He that is in the world. Lord, that live our lives in Jesus Christ. That listen to the truth that has been passed down from the very lips of the Apostle John to our day today. To be a part of the true church of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us never to get over your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, 